Programming Throwdown, episode 68, Soft Skills with Simple Programmer. Take it away, Jason. Hey, everyone. This is a super cool episode. Um, uh, people might remember, uh, you know, um, when I said what was my favorite book a while ago, it was it was not, you know, the awesome Ballstad book on, on statistics or things like that or the AI book. It's it's actually Negotiating for Dummies. <laughs> That's the book that's really had the biggest impact on, on my life. And so... Um, these, these sort of things are extremely important, and I'm really excited that we could dedicate kind of a whole show to all the other aspects beyond just, you know, learning the code, tabs versus spaces, arguing over Emacs, Vim, all these things, different languages. We also now have a chance to really dive into all the different um, sort of soft skills and all of the really important kind of career skills and really personal skills that can help kind of push people forward. And uh, to do that, we have John Sonmez, who... Uh, as the uh, you know, founder of Simple Programmer, which is a site where he talks all about this and, and, and he kind of uh, indulges us in his expert information. So thanks for coming on the show, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and throw down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds good. So why don't you tell us, you know, what is Simple Programmer? You know, why did you why did you kind of start that and, and where did that come from? Sure. So. What it is now is much different than what it was then, and the why I started it has has changed into the the purpose of it now. So, to to go back in time, I started it really out of out of two main motives. One was just because it was a passive aggressive way where I was at to get people to listen to me, because if someone reads something on the internet, it has a lot more it has a lot more clout. Even if it's unpublished, even if you just publish it yourself, rather than than me saying it, and plus you get to finish your sentences and paragraphs. So, <laughs> so I, I was I was working on a Scrum team, and they were doing some things wrong, and you know, and I just thought, okay, I could just blog about kind of this stuff, and my manager and my coworkers will, you know, they'll read this, and they did, and and it did have a good effect. Uh, so that was sort of one of the reasons why I started the blog, and then the second reason was. Because I wanted to, I felt like too many developers were just priding themselves in, in taking the complex and making it more complex, <laughs> or, no, or taking the simple and, and pretending like it's complex, like because it's it it gives you I don't know it's an ego boost that it makes you feel like you're more valuable than you are. And I was like, no, no, this is wrong because we should really be telling people that programming is simple and this is and, and we should be explaining things and making things simpler rather than more complicated because at its at its heart and I still firmly believe this there's nothing really hard there's 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 things that are that in in conglomeration are hard but when you break things apart to the smallest pieces they're usually pretty simple right i mean you know i know i'm i'm saying that with an extreme viewpoint but in general that's the case especially in in our field so yeah i was i, I was oh, sorry i was talking to somebody uh today um, at lunch, and uh, there's someone who actually they used to work with me at a different company, and uh, they just came to my current company, and uh, both of us kind of had the same experience where uh, when we left, we thought, I mean, we we left on good terms, and we thought, oh, I'm gonna have to write all this documentation. There's so many things I know after you know yeah. X years, and the reality is, you leave, and the company just keeps going as if you weren't even there, right? I mean, I mean, it it turns out that. That uh, when you get in in the middle of what you're doing, it can seem like 
you know, the it could seem like impossible for other people to sort of jump in. But the reality is if you've kind of uh, made things sort of, as you said, simple and kind of broken things down and written some documentation, um, you know, you've set up a nice path for the people who come kind of after you. Exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's funny how people have that that guilt when they leave a company <laughs> like they're gonna it's trust me it's not gonna it's not gonna crash into the ground yeah but um but but yeah so that's was where i started out and so my blog was i mean i didn't know what i was doing right i just just created this blog just wanted to get some of this knowledge out there like i said and it was is technical content some of it was stuff based on agile and scrum that i was experiencing with the teams and i was really just blogging like i think about three times a week and that was all i really thought of it but then some weird stuff started to happen. Like I'd, I'd start to get a bunch of emails and all these opportunities started opening up. I got invited to do courses for uh, a company, an online training company called Pluralsight when they were first starting out. And that was a really good opportunity. I, I started getting, I got phone calls from, from people wanting to hire me for jobs, not, not to interview me for jobs, but to hire me for jobs because they read my blog, you know, as, and, and I remember thinking, wow, this is just crazy. Like, they, they, I, I wasn't intentionally going out there trying to market myself, but but I, I did. And, and mm-hmm. I just ended up going, I didn't remember the first podcast I did was Hansel Minutes way back then. It was like, you know, Scott Hanselman was this big star to me back then. And, and here I was on his podcast and all my coworkers were like, man, you're on, I heard you on Hansel Minutes podcast, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And I started to realize, I was like, wow, there's, there's, this is interesting. So I started doing some talks on how to market yourself as a software developer because I I accidentally did this and then I started intentionally doing it. And it was, I mean, my career was taken off. I spent you know, 14 years honing my technical skills and no one cared. <laughs> but but as soon as I figured out the soft skills, how to how to communicate and talk and, and, and do those things and market myself and build a brand, Bam! All everything started to take off. So that I gave a couple of talks, and people were just enthralled with that. They, I was talking to people after a conference and in code camps, like five, six hours. No one was doing this content, and so you know, to to fast forward to where where things are now, what ended up happening was I just I started to realize that even though I had created a bunch of technical training content, I ended up doing that. I just ended up having all these these great career opportunities. I started to realize that my heart was really for personal development and helping the developer and that no one was doing this. There was this big hole in what you could call life coaching or personal development for software developers and soft skills, all, all of that, you know, that's kind of rolled into their self-helpy type of, of things that people make fun of, but are really beneficial in life. And it was super beneficial in my life, right? I went from an introverted, shy, kind of afraid to talk to girls guy that that was bold and out there and 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 stop being lazy and conquering, you know, conquering things and, and becoming an entrepreneur. And I wanted to teach other people how to do that. So really what Simple Programmer ended up becoming and what my mission is now, uh, I actually sort of, uh, I'd say retired like four years ago because I, I hit my passive income goal, but then Mm -hmm. I decided I'm going to pursue this full time. And so Simple Programmer has really become the place where developers can go to to improve themselves, to reach their potential as as human beings, and and to find fulfillment and happiness in their lives, not just not just from a technical perspective. So a lot of it now, a lot of my content is out on YouTube and, and the the podcast 
I still have the blog that's still going, but but yeah, that's that's basically it. And it's grown to a company. I mean, we've got three full-time employees and a few part-time employees, so it's it's grown to this huge, massive thing. And it's all based on on that that whole idea now of of personal development for software developers. Cool, that makes sense. I mean, one thing that kind of is amazing that a lot of people don't pick up on. Uh, you know, when I read, you know, let's say Business Insider, one of these kind of like, you know, news, uh, you know, kind of mainstream news organizations is this uh, is this this idea that if you look at what percent, you know, a company such as Intel or Google or Facebook or any of these co- Apple or any of these companies, the percent that they spend on their uh, a salary on compensation is at the level of the medical field, you know. So it used mm-hmm. to be, if if uh, you know the companies that spent let's say fifty percent of their expenses on employee compensation, it used to be just doctors, lawyers, and just just a few other kind of niche areas. And in all the other places, the majority of the expense was in you know capital costs, so, you know maybe servers or you're, you're buying a power plant or something like that, right? Um, but now with high tech, you have you have engineers who um, sort of are, are, are in that position where basically a company like Google sells, you know, what crackles of energy over the Internet. Right. And so <laughs> right. their their uh, their biggest expense are their people. And also that's their biggest source of income. Like it's entirely driven by people. And so that's why, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that, that people can grab in their in their personal life as software engineers. Like just by sort of developing sort of this marketing, this, this negotiation, and, and, and sort of you can raise sort of your own value as, as an engineer. It's incredibly important. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, hasn't been typically uh, afforded to engineers. As I said, it was something that was really not part of this profession so we have a lot of catching up to do oh yeah yeah definitely you're 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 very right especially there's a huge amount of opportunity especially you know i, I always talk about the commoditization of software development and it's really coming i mean when i hire developers i hire, I hire developers on upwork to do work for me and i can get like and here's the thing and this is this is what it is is if i can be very specific in what i want and i can describe it really well which most managers and project managers cannot do i can get programming labor done for extremely cheap like ridiculously cheap but so so what i'm saying is that we're you know it's no longer good enough to just be a programmer Right. It's writing code and the technology part of it. Yes, there's still a premium on it, but that's that's fading away quickly with the globalization, right, with with a world economy. But what won't fade away with the thing that's going to set you apart, the thing that's going to stop the commoditization from taking your job as a software developer is going to be the communication. It's going to be the soft skills. It's going to be the the, pers- the personality and being the person that understands the the bigger thing that can that can run with the, the project and communicate to other people on the team. Right. That's that's the biggest thing that I think. And so that's why I think there is still this. You know, and, and and software developers that are highly valuable are more like doctors and, and lawyers and and so much spend is is on salaries because they're not really paying, I, I think personally, that 
tech, that most companies aren't paying necessarily for the tech, technical aptitude anymore because there's a lot of that all over the place. But the, and this also goes to speak to why so many developers tell me, oh, I can't, why does everyone say that developers are in such high demand, but I can't get a job? It's because, no, it's not just programming. It's not just the technical skills. It's not just developers that are in high demand. It's highly functioning developers that not only possess the technical skills, but have the, the soft skills and the people skills and the, those kind of skills that uh, in conjunction with, with those technical skills, those are the valuable ones. That's what everybody wants. And that's, that's what's high in demand. Everything else will be commoditized. At least that's, that's my prediction for the future. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's incredibly possible now to build a brand with no resources at all. I mean, uh, mm. people know this, we've mentioned it. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, now thanks to Patreon and some of these things, we have some funds, we can actually spend a little bit on advertising, but we went years without doing any advertising at all, just 100% just organic, just putting out shows that we um, would find entertaining, really putting out shows for our children to be able to watch later if they're interested, listen to later. And and uh, and it just kind of grew. The the brand just kind of grew completely organically. Um, and now more and more companies are looking at uh, your GitHub profile, uh, your your Hacker News rank, or whatever you know. All of these right. all of these things that uh, kind of can represent you that you can cultivate. Um, you know, without having you know a massive army of resources or without having been like born into any kind of family or anything like that you know as long as you have a computer you can sort of build a brand and that's also something that's kind of unique to maybe you know this or, or, or the past generation right oh yeah yeah definitely i mean I, i've got a similar you know with simple programmer i i mean we we do maybe like you know around fifty thousand dollars a month in revenue and I have not, I, my advertising budget is almost nothing, right? I, we, we don't spend any money advertising. It's just all organic. It, it all built up from me with a blog. I mean, like what, like seven or eight years ago and, and just pumping out content. And that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, if you create value in the world, you, you've got an opportunity now, right? You know, I did and I, and I've done it on multiple platforms, you know, on YouTube, I put out two to three YouTube videos a day and that's. Uh, you just by creating that much value you're going to build a brand like you, you it, if you're willing to do the work i guess that's, that's what i'm saying is that you you've got the, the the opportunity like there has never been in the world before for for someone to build a personal brand to be an entrepreneur but but not necessarily even just to be an entrepreneur just a just the programmer who has who builds their own personal brand who builds a blog or creates some youtube i just interviewed a guy today who created a youtube channel after after doing some of my marketing courses, how to market yourself course, and in two years, you know, he's built it up and he's gotten he's been getting all kinds of job offers and contract job. Like he he's able to freelance without having to go out there and 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 you know uh, pound the pavement. And so like that opportunity is just it's amazing that that we have today to, to be able to do that and i think so many developers aren't taking advantage of it that's that's the thing that's like uh, th that I, I don't understand is <laughs> you know it, it doesn't take a huge amount of effort to build yourself a personal brand and to build a blog and to do some of the stuff and the payoff is so great uh, when you when you do that uh, one thing i always compare it to is like you know uh, if, if you've ever been to if you've ever heard like a cover band play right 
mm-hmm. and they play some song that is by some famous band, right? Right. And and sometimes I go and I listen to a cover band, and I'm like, they're better than the original. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, and, and one time I went to a karaoke bar, and there was a lady who sang songs better than the original. It was amazing. Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, I, I did this enough time. And same thing with, like, celebrity chefs. And, and you know, you can, you can find this in a lot of places. And, and it's not like you, you don't, like I'm saying that you can get away with no talent. But what I'm saying is that the thing that differentiates the cover band from Metallica or, you know, whatever band is not the skill. It's not the skill. And it's the same thing in programming. It's the marketing. It's it's the style. It's it's that piece of it. And so, I mean, you you can't you can't fake it. You can't not have the technical skills. But for so many developers, the greater amount of effort, if they if they spent more effort right now with the technical skills they have in developing a personal brand and learning how to market themselves, they would have a much greater lever than they would have by increasing their technical skills further. It's it's just like the cover band. It's it's the same same phenomenon. Yeah. And I saw it in my career, and I've seen it in so many developers' careers. That makes sense. I mean, I have a, a friend um, who, um, he's actually pretty like successful. He's uh, uh, in finance, and um, but he um, had had some trouble in his past. So he had some trouble with alcohol, and uh, he got uh, you know convicted. I think. Uh, so like a DUI, I believe is like a felony. I don't know the details, but basically, uh, if you Googled him, you got mugshots.com as the first link. And yeah. he's saying, you know, look, I paid some people that were supposed to take this off and it did go off, but then Google found it again. And, and he's trying to sort of get these links off. And I said, instead of trying to remove, because, you know, it's Google, they're going to find this somehow, right? right? So instead of trying to remove you know, this, why don't you build, you know, uh, just some, I mean, I, I didn't call it a brand at the time, but I said, why don't you just build a persona online and, and just cultivate that and, and post pictures and talk about finance and, and, and build something that where people will know the modern you and where that will be the people's first impression. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're looking for a job and you've had these issues, it's going to come up like those can be a background check and so on and so forth. The best thing you can do is, is build a brand, like project the version of you that you want. And that's right. kind of an extreme case where this person has um, this problem. But I think it, it could be advice given to everybody is is uh, there's there's effectively some type of noise about you right now. There is a brand. It's like effectively, let's say, random, whether it's good or bad. Um, but you can take control of that um, by by sort of building a persona for yourself online and 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 turn it into something that you're really proud of. I oh, definitely. One, oh, good. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, I think the only thing with all this to caution people is that it you got to use time. It's like the same thing as like mm-hmm. investing. People invest money and think like, how do I double my money in the next year? It's like you don't. Oh, yeah. Or you that's gamble true. it and it and it goes away. So I think people look for this, like, I'm going to start a blog. I posted twice to it, and then I didn't get a million followers and a big yeah. exit. And it's like, well, no, of course not. You do it over years. Like, you post b- blog every day or once a week. You, you pick a schedule, but then you stick to it. And it's over a long period of time you sort of get that compounding interest effect. I mean, I guess we'd have to think about it economically and puzzle it out if it truly is a sort of exponential thing. But you know, it, it in my head, it sort of maps that way, which is like you do these things over the course of a career. 
and you build a brand. You know, it, it isn't that you can't buy the marketing, you can't buy the spot in Google, but posting enough things over the course of, you know, a year, two years, that's very beneficial. And it shows, you know, employers consistency, right? Like if I go to your website and it looks like you threw it together last night or your GitHub has one, you know, project on it that you committed to once, that's not actually that interesting. But if you sort of are doing little bits of effort over the course of a very long period of time, then it's like, wow, I, I see much more of a better picture of this person. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think a lot of people have goals. And I, I actually, I, I mean, you know, goal is just a word. I don't want to say I'm against goals because it's kind of like being against Christmas or something, right? But, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's better to have a system than a goal. Uh-huh. Like, for example, this year I really wanted to remove, like, declutter my life, Right. And so I could say I want a goal to declutter, but but it's 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 kind of it's really hard to. The other thing about goals is they're kind of designed for you not to reach them. Like, have you ever seen one of these charity goals where they just meet it and they say we're done? No, right? They always set the goal to something they know they're not going to reach, right? Um, so so instead, I said, look, every day um, I'm going to go through my email and I'm going to unsubscribe. If there's something that I can unsubscribe from, I'm going to do it. You know, if, if I'm not interested. And, and so I created this sort of system and it became kind of a metaphor for kind of unsubscribing myself to things at work that I'm not using anymore, uh, you know, things. But that became kind of like that system became an anchor for other things. And the podcast is kind of the same way. We really wanted to educate. And at, for the first maybe two years, it was just, you know, our moms listening. And I was fine. Oh, my because, mom stopped listening. <laughs> that's true. Mine too. <laughs> um, and it was fine because we had this sort of system and we were we were building stuff that we were kind of proud of. And then eventually, um, you know, we had this sort of geometric increase in, in the in the number of people. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, as Patrick said, it's really important just kind of, you know, you could obviously have a, you know, a vision for what you want your future to look like. Like in the case of my friend. You, know, you obviously want to have a future where you can go on Google, type his name, and, and get you know really nice things. Um, you know, it's fine to have that that projection, but but yeah, it's really important to build sort of the system that's going to ramp you up and take you there. Oh yeah, there's a book if you haven't read it already, I'm sure you would love it. It's called it's by Scott Adams. It's called How to Win, How to Lose at Everything and Still Win Big. Okay. And in that book, he's he basically, and it's the same mindset that I have, which you just described, which is he he says, don't use goals, create systems instead, and that's I mean that has been the secret to my success by far is is creating systems, and and again to to what uh, to what you guys talked about about the the whole, it takes time, right? I mean the the whole I always say consistency, commitment, persistence. That's the formula for success because you have to be consistent. You have to like you can't just like release random podcast episodes or or your YouTube videos or blog posts, right? And you have to be committed. You have to do it, rain or shine, whether you've got good content or not. I mean, sometimes I make YouTube videos, and it's like if I'm doing two to three YouTube videos a day, I'm not always in the best of spirits. Sometimes I don't have any wisdom to share, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is gonna suck, but I'm gonna release it anyway because I'm gonna suck in public, right? And uh, that I think I know, our podcasts right. are always awesome. <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I think it's important yet yeah, to be authentic, too. I think yeah. some of the times where, you know, we've recorded sometimes where we, one of us were sick or down or something like that. And, it, and of course, sometimes it comes through. But I think actually the time where you sort of struggle, people kind of pick up on that. And they say and I feel like sometimes that actually builds 
a way stronger relationship than the 99 other shows where everyone was was healthy and fit. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 100% agree with you. One thing that that has really helped me, especially with the YouTube, is just focusing on, you know, I've got to post on my board to be genuine, always genuine, you know, and that's, it's so important. You have to show some of your vulnerability, right? And, And vulnerability... And weakness are, are two different things. When you when you show vulnerability, it actually shows strength. Because if if I I, I did this video and I was talking about like uh, you know in it was it in Braveheart, you know where they 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 turn around and they lift up their their kilts, right, yeah. showing their butt. So they're showing they're they're making themselves vulnerable to their their opponent there, right. So you don't you don't like reveal your your uh, your butt to your opponent. And where they could hack at it, unless you you're feeling pretty strong. And so when you when you show the vulnerability, it actually shows a lot of strength. But but that connection, like it also shows that you're human, right? I think, and that's that's the key thing. Is like people know that you make mistakes, or I mean, you know, you want to you want people, especially if you want to inspire people. One thing I've learned, you know, in the self development, is that I I can't just be like, look how awesome I am. I have to be like, look at, I'm just like you. I'm just like you, right? I screw up just like you. I still screw up just like you. But there's a difference, and I'm getting to where I want to get in life, and I can show you how to do it too. You know, here, here's my hand. Let's go together as opposed to, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you guys suck and you're doing it wrong, uh, and I never do anything wrong. That no, That's not a way to teach. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it doesn't work in, in any any kind of field. But, but to show that, to be genuine, to show that vulnerability, to say, look, Hey, this is me. It's cool. I'm I screw up all the time too, and, and, and it's cool. But you know, we we'll get there together. To, to me, that's that's always been the even even teaching technical content. I've I found you know I did I did a bunch of courses for Pluralsight, and I, and I found that that was that was the thing that that helped set my courses apart was the fact that I'm willing to make some mistakes <laughs> and, yeah. and own up to them and, and just hey I'm I'm just I'm your buddy here. Let's 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 figure this stuff out together. Yeah, so so one thing that's that's always kind of a, a tricky thing, but I'd love to hear your insight is, you know, if you're, for example, I'm trying to get back into running, and so I have, uh, I bought one of these watches that measures your heart rate, and so I, I, I'm getting kind of better every week, and I can measure it, right? Or if you write code, you can kind of feel yourself getting better, you can measure it, um, lines of code, or, you know, pro- more ambitious projects. And these things are generally kind of pretty easy to measure. Your wealth is... Everyone measures that every time uh, they go to pay a bill or something. But some soft skills like negotiation or or uh, maybe the ability to strike up a conversation with a stranger or something. Some of these things are kind of hard to measure. Uh, your nonverbal communication. Uh, so how do you go about, you know, how do people know that they've taken your advice, applied it? How do they know they've actually improved? That's a good question. I mean, that's... It depends. I, I would go kind of back to the goals, honestly, again here in, in saying that, you know, to, to go to zoom out a little bit on this picture of what do you what are you aiming for? Right. You know, it, sometimes I think that we we aim for it's not the goal. Right. So, like, I mean, I've, I've achieved goals like I had financial goals. I hit those fitness goal. You know, I've achieved a lot of the goals I set out in life. And I have found that on the other side of a goal is usually disappointment, and and sometimes, honestly, like you can go into depression because you made your life about this thing, you got there, and now what? 
And and I've learned the lesson, you know, from from doing that. And what I've sort of realized is that it's never about the what like for me, all the things I'm aspiring to do now are all about the kind of person that I become in the process of achieving that goal or, or going down that path. The goal that I never really achieve, right? It's about and and so what I would say is that you know a long way to answer the, the, this question. But where, where I'm getting at with this is that. For these kind of skills, for these kind of soft skills, I mean, so if I could give you a badge and say you're a level 10 negotiator, ding, <laughs> uh, the, what, what did that really get you, right? It's like, okay, so, so, so you know, uh, it, it's more of, it's more of a, I, I look at it in terms of I want to maximize my potential and I want to show you how to maximize your potential. And, and to be honest, like, I, I was I was I was doing this video just the other day because because I, I went and I got my body fat measured at the gym and you know most wait, wait hang on how do, how do you do that what does that mean oh like where where they check your body fat level is that uh oh is that like the where they because I know there's BMI right where they weigh you and they get your height and they do some math but is this this sounds like something like more sophisticated there there's a lot of ways to do it the the way that they had to did it at the gym was using calipers like so it's a skin fold caliper that oh, checks the thickness okay. of your skin at different points got it and and of course i've got you know i've done a dexa scan which is like a, a radioact or a dual radio image rescan they use it for like bone density okay. uh, actually i'm doing one on saturday but but when I went there, I mean, most most people like I, I'm a I'm a YouTube channel guest that I'm, I'm probably like you know seven and a half eight percent body fat or so, mm-hmm. and and that's where I, I kind of pegged myself. And the guy measured at at eleven percent, and I was talking about how like man, I <laughs> like I, I I could be pissed, right? I could be like, oh, that's not right. This you like measured again, <laughs> right? Or I could be. Or I could be excited about that and and be happy that man. I if I want to get down, like I've got more room to go. There's more low hanging fruit than I thought, right? I can. I, I feel like I look great now. I could look better, right? <laughs> so, my my point of it was I, I I talked about this idea of like when you measure something, like when you measure a foot, use a 13 inch ruler instead of an 11 inch. <laughs> Right. Although we, we want to go through life and we want to use these 11 inch rulers to measure a foot like we want to stretch it and say, oh, yeah, I got it. I hit the goal. Look, I'm, my net worth is a million dollars or whatever. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is. But use the 13 inch ruler. So then, you know, you got it. And that's how I feel about some of these things that are hard to measure. It's like, OK, have I have I overcome? You know, I, I do a lot of coaching for guys like dating coaching and and teach them how to go. And I I, I I'll just put it plainly and say, pick up chicks, but right. <laughs> that, that, you know, to, to go in and overcome their social anxiety, right. To be able to go in and talk to, to, to women, it is difficult for, for guys to do a lot, a lot of guys in our field. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is like, you know, whether you got it or not, you know, whether you're afraid or not, you know, right. Deep down for a lot of things, we could use an objective. We could use a measure and say, "Oh, you know, like I said, you know, we're measuring with the ruler." And we could say, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm here." But it doesn't matter because that's again, that's that goal thinking. As if having some number, as if my body fat were eight percent, if that would now magically make me right. What I'm ultimately trying to do is look good when I look in the mirror. That's the ultimate perspective, right? That's the ultimate thing. And so the same thing, it's it's like an integrity issue. It's it's not something that you can necessarily measure from from an external viewpoint, but you know it. You know where you're at and you know if you're improving and you know if you're faking it and you're li- you could lie to the world and and you could appear to be super successful and you could appear to be progressing in all these areas, but if deep down you know that you're not where you want to be or where you should be, 
that's that that's your integrity. That's 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 the thing that that counts and matters in the end. Yeah, that and makes that's sense. Not a, I think goal. So. I, I think it's super important to be honest with yourself. That's one thing that you know that's kind of like a slippery slope. It's kind of hard to come back from. Um, but but uh, it's really important to kind of stay there. Yeah, and personally, I use a lot of sort of these proxy uh, systems. Like for example, I mean to give another example, um, there was one time where I decided I really wanted to look people in the eye when I was talking to them. Right. And I could just kind of say that, but it's 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 hard, especially when you work, you're super busy. Um, it, it's hard to really make that a priority or keep it in your mind. So I said, I'm going to, when I'm at, say, the grocery store or the bank, or I'm at one of these situations where um, I'm paying for something or, I'm, um, you know, uh, someone's providing me a service, uh, when I sign the check or when I sign my name on the bill or whatever it is, I'm going to look the person in the eye at that point. Like, I'm going to make that kind of yeah. uh, a conscious part. And I know that, you know, my, I could have my head in the game at that point on, you know, focusing on that one thing. And, and then again, like make that, if I can do that consistently, then that will sort of spread to, you know, because a lot of what we do is unconscious, right? I mean, you talk about exactly. nonverbal communication, you talk about even, you know, maybe the way you say things, the way you, the, the way you dress, the way you conduct yourself. Life is just, there's so much going on in life and you can't really be conscious of all of it. Right. So the vast majority of it is just your 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 brain is just unconsciously doing things, everything from walking, breathing and then even higher level things. Um, you know, it's like someone throws a baseball at you. What you do is just reach up and you catch it like you instinctively or you block your face or something. Right. And so you need to sort of develop those same unconscious instincts. So when someone's, you know, asking you a super tough question in an interview that your sort of unconscious memory will kick in and you can maintain the eye contact be friendly, be positive, even though you're flipping out because you have no idea what like my sequel is or something, right? Um, so, so that's where I think, yeah, setting these sort of proxy goals, especially in situations where you have a lot of control, such as in the case where, you know, if I'm signing my name and handing it to somebody, I'm in, uh, I don't have to think about a lot of other things, I can sort of control where my eyes are, then that can sort of give you the unconscious ability. It's kind of like a if you ever take, uh, I used to teach Taekwondo and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of Taekwondo and self-defense and these things are to give you that unconscious ability. So, so when somebody kind of grabs you, you, you just, your brain, your unconscious, uh, brain kind of just takes over, you react, you immediately do the thing you need to do. And then you can consciously do the more important thing, which is run away or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I totally agree. With you. It's funny that you say that with that about the eye contact too, because I had this I had this exercise again for overcoming social anxiety, and I had different levels of it. And one of them was, you know, I did this video and I was talking about how like, and I did this myself. I I would go and I'd go for a run, and I would make eye contact with with people, and I would I would not be the person to break it. And mm-hmm. I would and and the other rule was that you couldn't smile or nod your head. Because those were both signs of, of kind of weakness, of like of deference, right? And so you just had to like not not like angrily staring people down, but you just had to realize that there's no reason why you should break eye contact first. You can control the frame if you choose, and you have the power to do it. And this is uncomfortable, but and I, I strongly believe that the only way to grow, everything that makes you grow in life, is something that's uncomfortable. And so I did that exercise myself. It made me feel real uncomfortable at first, and and a lot of a lot of people that subscribe to my channel did it, and 
what what we found from this was that now it just became now we mastered that and we had it in that specific context like you said and now we just we just have the power to do it like you don't even think about it it doesn't it's not even a thing because you've done it in such a difficult situation and and i took it to some different levels of some other things but it's it's makes a lot of sense i mean that's one of those things like you practice it over and over and then it, it becomes again, same thing. Even I'd say like when I sh I just shot some videos today, and I'm walking down the beach, you know, with my my phone, and you know, it's just, there's tons of people around. I'm just walking, talking to my phone. But I've done it so many times now that I I'm not saying that I'm not self aware at all, but I, it was uncomfortable at first. But then it became a thing that became normal, and now I can do it. But you got to step out of that comfort zone if you want to be able to 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 expand your ability in any of those areas yeah that makes sense um so what do you think if you had to pick just one thing maybe from mm -hmm. your entire website just one lesson that you that you wanted people to follow you know like the most important the most underdeveloped soft skill uh for software engineers um what do you think that would be Shoot, this is a this is a tough one because it's it's going to change from from day to day for me, like <laughs> just right. from my perspective, right? I, I like to talk about looking at things from a different perspective. But the one that I fall back on a lot, even though it's not super exciting, like, you know, I want to say something more exciting. But, but honestly, I think this is the most valuable skill in life, period, is the ability to teach yourself, is learning how to learn. If you develop that skill, and, and it is a soft skill because it's, it's, there's not a technical way to do it's not it's not learning one thing it's the ability to acquire knowledge to build self-educate to teach yourself right this is one of those things that it, it's so like if you can do this it, and, and a lot of people think they can but they can't right what they can do is they can go find teachers that tell them what to do and that's not the same thing as teaching yourself but if you can honestly figure out how to teach yourself how to learn how to learn then you, the doors of the world open up to you like there's nothing that you can't do you can you want to become an entrepreneur you want to build a business you want to you know get this job you want to learn this you know so many people the, the people that and you know you could go to the the whole mindset the fixed versus uh what's it uh, elastic mindset mm -hmm. uh, viewpoint on this but but essentially the the people that i know and and you know i've had this experience a lot from from youtube just because of the the, the kind of people that that are on YouTube sometimes watching my videos and commenting on them are not the kind of people I would normally associate in, in daily life. And, and some of those people, their problem is very, very clear. They have a very fixed mindset. They don't know how to teach themselves. They don't believe it's possible. So, so, so much of life is shut to them. They, they, they have no ability to, to change a lot of their situation in life because they can't see it because they don't have that skill. If they, if they had that one skill, if they could just teach themselves, if they figured out that they could do that, everything would open to them. And, and the people that I see that are most successful in life are people that, that you basically would say, or the kind of people that would say, well, you know what, if I needed to become a lawyer, I could become a lawyer. I could probably do it in a few years and I'd, yeah, sure, doctor, fine, whatever. You know, I mean, those are extreme examples, but programming language, yeah, I could learn that programming language, right? Every single thing that they possibly, that you could possibly throw at them, they're like, yeah, I could do that. There's no reason why I couldn't do that. I could learn that. And and it's because they have that ability. They've, they've taught themselves how to, how to teach themselves, honestly. And so I would say that's really the most valuable thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I always find it kind of interesting when there are jobs that, you know, I mean, there might be a job that's, you know, uh, 
building the Java virtual machine for Oracle. Well, I'm sure you need to be a Java expert, right? But but there's so many jobs where they're building a website and they say, you know, need to know Java. And and I bet if you went there and you said, you know, like I have never done Java, I've done PHP, but I could probably pick it up in a couple of weeks. I mean, they would at least give you an interview. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, a lot of it is, as you said, is sort of knowing that that you're much more malleable than you think, that, that, that you can learn anything and being able to project that um, to other people, I think is super important. So what about, let's say there's a college student, you know, CS grad, has all the technical background, uh, you know, but, but uh, someone like, like, like Patrick or myself in, in, in college, you know, I only worked, uh, my first job, I was uh, doing Taekwondo, I taught Taekwondo, and then I did Taekwondo in the Mulan Parade at Disney. So I would just break boards. I'd pretend to be a Chinese uh, uh, Mulan uh, soldier, right? And so you get, the, you get college students who have, you know, they have all the technical background, but, you know, from the workforce, they've just been, their experience in the workforce is, you know, selling popcorn, right? So what's the mm-hmm. best advice you could kind of give them to, to get started in industry? So, I mean, there's, uh, I think there's there's a few ways to, to look at this, right? So the advice I'm giving most most young developers now or, or want to be developers is to 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 really go out on your own and figure out I mean I mean it depends on which path you want to go, but there's opportunity now to like don't go into debt. Don't get shackled with a big car payment and house payment. Like figure out how to limit your means as much as possible because that's that's how you gain freedom, right? So I, I would say that you know, from the bigger perspective, I always talk about the idea that you've got this mortgage on your life, right? And we're all born with a mortgage on our life. And, you you know, the the less, as soon as we may have enough income that we can pay all of our, all of our upkeep costs, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Then, then we're free. We have freedom. We can do whatever we want, essentially. Right. And so I would, I would, I would say that if that appeals to you, think about that. Like you, you could do that. Now, as far as, like the more traditional route of going and say, no, John, I, I, I really couldn't care. I want to, I want to make a six figure developer salary. Okay. Well, well then my advice would be a little bit different, which would, would be essentially don't go, don't assume that you have to do everything by the book and by the, by the rules. Right. So there's so many ways to get a job and the best way to get a job is not to go on to monster or you know whatever the dice or whatever the job search boards are and apply for 500 jobs with the same resume and cover letter and then hope that some people call you back and, and get interviews that's that's not it i mean that if you're going to do that you could do the numbers game if you're going to do the numbers game then i would say hey l- l- treat it like a sales you know like a sales funnel and you know and, me- and measure the metrics and, and I, i've done i've got some some sections on my new book on on how ex- exactly to do that but i honestly would rather see young people figuring out out of the box ways to do this and and what i mean by this is like you know what about going and 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 going through and and setting up coffee with with a bunch of with just some managers or just some developers that work at various companies that you want to work for and not ask them for anything but just like ask them what you could do for them or just just hang out and just get some you know build build up your network that way what what about going and what about you you got a company you really want to work for. What about building a tool for that company, right? That that makes 
you know, with some product that they're using more efficient or that improves their website in some way or, you know, something where, where they're going to hire you because you, you did something that's actually value. You immediately have value from the beginning. You know, what about, what about going and doing what a lot of really successful salespeople do and, and calling the CEO of the company and, and just asking his secretary to, to put you through to him and talk to him and just saying, hey, I'm a software developer. I'm a new developer. You know, I wanted to just, you know, if I could listen, get five minutes of your time just, just and, and pitch it, right? I mean, <laughs> there, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways. You know, I'm throwing out some, some crazy stuff here, but because so many people think that, that – what they have to do is they have to put in their resume and they have to go through HR and they have to have these keywords and, and then they go to the interview. And it's not like that at all. I mean, some of the best jobs I ever got were, were jobs where someone called me up and said, hey, come work for us, right? Yeah, that <laughs> right? makes that, sense. I think I think yeah. it definitely um, is something that, yeah, I think, I think to extend on that, like don't think your first job is going to be your whole life. I mean, like my... My father worked the same job his whole career. My father-in-law worked the same job for, I think, 50 years. Um, but now things have kind of changed, especially in our field. And uh, it doesn't mean you should really go into your first job saying, oh, I, you know, I'm, my, 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 my goal is to get out of this job, right? But, but you know, you kind of go into it, um, you know, wanting, think of it as a bank where, you know, you want to deposit a lot of your effort and time. But you also want that deposit to mature and to grow and get interest, right? And, and you want to be able to withdraw more than you put in. Um, and, and through building the right connections um, and through you know, developing some of these soft skills, also developing some of the, you know, the technical skills as well. Um, through all of that, uh, you can um, you know, either advance in that job or if you find one that's that's better later on, you can you can switch and you can uh, hopefully switch with with uh, having gained some some interest on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's all about that long term perspective, right? Because you you, you realize that you're you're not probably going to be there for, forever, and, and and times have changed. It really has changed. You know, a lot of times. In fact, what I found is that a lot of times today. The only way to make an advancement in your career is to is to switch, is to move, right? A, a lot of develop. it used to be frowned upon to like job hop. Not saying that you should you know switch jobs every six months, but every couple of years that is not necessarily a bad idea. If you know that sometimes that's the best way to to scale up the ladder. Yeah, and again, it's 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 one of these things that should be natural, right? I mean. I, you can't go into it saying, you know, in two years, I'm going to either get a promotion or be somewhere else. It's more just, yeah, as, as I said before, you're depositing this this time and this effort, but you're also kind of being self-aware. And and uh, if, if that opportunity, if an opportunity comes up, there's going to be a chance that the opportunity will be in your current job. But there's also going to be a chance, probably a much greater chance that that opportunity is going to be somewhere else in this very large world. Right. Um and so, you know, it's important to make sure that you sort of honor your obligation. You can't just leave after six months. I mean, you're, they're, uh, they're hiring yeah. you because they want to ramp you up and then you, they, you have to put in that deposit, right? Otherwise, you're not going to withdraw anything. <clears throat> but, uh, right. uh yeah. yeah, but, but yeah, I think, yeah, the self-awareness is, is, is extremely important. What about, so we have uh, a lot of people listen to the show who, they're kind of on the other side of the fence. So they, 
they they might have incredibly good soft skills. Um, they also have uh, you know an incredible ability in some area, let's say uh, biology or um, you know chemistry, or maybe they uh, are a carpenter, or they they have sort of a a discipline, and uh, they've have put many years into that, and now they want to switch. They want to go into CS, right? And so they have the industry experience. Um, but they're kind of transitioning to kind of a brand new field, right? And so they're kind of in a different boat than the, than the college student. Uh, what kind of advice would you give them? The, those are my favorite developers. First of all, the, the best developers I've ever met and worked with have always been those kind of people that uh, amazingly that, you know, after a career 20 years as a biologist, or there's a, a guy I worked with that was an environmentalist uh, of some sort. And and, and then they become a developer, and in in the short three years that they're they're a developer, there is is good or it's like they have ten or fifteen years of experience, and I haven't really been able. It, it was a strange phenomenon that that eluded me for such a long time, uh, but w- what I think about this is that when you achieve a mastery level in one skill. It a lot even the stuff that doesn't seem like it carries over, it carries over. It carries over because you've you've maybe it's just the time and the dedication and the grit that you've developed in, in becoming a master at something or but but it does. It really does. And so what I would say to them is that they have a distinct advantage for, for multiple reasons. One, because if you've already been successful at one thing, I mean mo- and, and you see this all the time. You see people you you see people that are super successful in multiple areas, right? Because it's success begets uh, success. And so what I would say to them is, is you know, you, you have an advantage because because of that. So it's going to be easier for you, right, than, than most people. And then and then second, you've got a, 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 another perspective that, that is extremely valuable, right? Not coming from the whole, you know, sometimes we can be cynical and jaded in the software development community. And we don't see things because we're, we're, we're too much in the water. We're, we're too much, you know, in, in, in the thick of it and everyone has the same opinions. And so bringing in those outside opinions, seeing things from a different perspective is, is really awesome and, and is value, very valuable. And, and you, you end up making a really valuable member of the team because you have that perspective. So I would say that, you know, it seems overwhelming, right? There's a lot of stuff to learn, and yes, there is a lot in, in software development, and, and yes, it can take you, you know, years and years to to achieve what it, you're never going to like totally master it. And technology completely changes, but you know, have a little bit of more confidence than than you might have, and dive in, and you know, pick. And, and the, the key thing, especially when you don't have 20 years of career, maybe laughter or whatever. Is that you? You be very specific about what it is you want to do and what you want to learn, right? Because you know, in within software development, there's so many things. There's so many technologies and programming languages and Java. There's, I mean, you could spend your entire life learning JavaScript frameworks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it would be a treadmill that that you would never that you'd just be slipping backwards on. So rather than trying to learn everything and trying to know a little bit about everything, be very very specific. Say, you know, I'm going to be a mean stack developer. Good. Learn all of the everything in that if you're going to do full set right, or be very you know pick a specialty, be very specific, pick exactly the skill set that you need to to learn in order to to do that and be functional. And you can fill in the gaps and the other stuff later. You know you'll eventually need to to you'll eventually 
do better if you do pick up that CS background that a lot of CS students have, but they forgot anyway. You know, you need to know <laughs> if, if you know what's that, you know, how to the algorithms and, and data structures, it is actually pretty valuable. But don't start with that stuff. It, that's not going to help you immediately, right? And you won't see the value of it until you're actually working as a functional software developer. This is why our colleges are so messed up Is today in the way that we teach developers is because we start with the basic CS stuff, which which you don't understand the value of until you're actually working as a developer for a couple of years. And then you go back and like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, man. Now that makes sense. Like using that hash, that <laughs> that's why I would use that, right? And so then the stuff sticks. So I would say, you know, just jump in, but be very specific about what you're what you're jumping into, so that you you cut that down. You you know, it it can be overwhelming with all this stuff out there, but you don't have to know it all, and no one can know it all. Even even veteran developers that have been around for twenty years, trust me, they don't know it all. They they know a very small fraction of it, but that's all you need. You only need to you know. There's so many. We're we're in a, a field where there are five thousand tools that. 5,000 different kinds of hammers, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and you only need to know how to use one of those hammers and then you can hit your nails. I mean, you got to have a few more tools in your tool belt, but don't get, don't feel like you have to know all this stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. That's some kind of like beam search where basically, you know, I think if you, if you don't have a background in CS and you don't have the degree, then um, people aren't going to give you the same sort of, um, cushion that they'll give someone with a CS degree there. I mean, I know people who have a CS degree. I mean, I'm almost guilty of this myself where it's all purely theoretical. And, and some of, some of us have done coding had had done coding on the side, but I know some people who, you know, their CS degree was totally on the chalkboard and, and those people are afforded a cushion uh, when they interview and things like that, because people know that they spend a lot of time on this theoretical and they're expecting to, companies are expecting to have to kind of pay a price up front, having to ramp this person up on, you know, C++ or something. But in exchange, they'll get someone who has sort of a, a, a good growth in, in the tail, like in the future. Um, if you don't have a CS degree, then it's going to be hard to get a company that gives you the same sort of cushion but that's where, as John said, you can kind of be really specific and, and become kind of really proficient in one thing, uh, get that first job, and then, um, and then you can really broaden your horizons then um, and, and look at sort of how that thing you learned fits into the bigger picture and, and all of that. What about, what do you think about, uh, you know, we get a lot of emails that are sort of, you know, should I go back to college or should I do this boot camp? And um, Patrick and I, we, we interviewed uh, um, Art Gillespie from uh, Udacity a few months ago. And Udacity is a pretty cool program. Um, but in general, we haven't, at least Patrick and I, haven't seen a lot of people, um, you know, in, in the places we've worked or, or, or in our contacts, like uh, who have come from sort of these kind of boot camp environments most of the people are either self-taught or from university and so we're kind of torn because on one hand something like udacity coursera th these kind of things are kind of revolutionary and i'd love for MOOCs like this to succeed but on the other hand it really kind of hasn't happened yet and uh uh you kind of i feel like you will probably have a broader 
Vision and Patrick and I, who we basically live, I don't know, five miles away from each other. So, so what do you think in, in, in kind of a more holistic way? Do you feel like these boot camp classes are valuable? Are they a scam? Are they somewhere in between? Is there a huge variance? What's kind of the landscape like? That's a great question. This is a question I get all the time. I, in fact, the uh, the new book that I'm that I'm putting out, I put the, the, like the very first portion of the book is like, should I go to college? Should I go to boot camp? Should I self teach? Right, because it's such a critical question, and and then and then how to succeed at each one of those. But here's the thing: I'm very bullish on boot camp as a choice, based on on a couple of parameters that 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 I have to set up front. It, first of all, it's it's based on I think that it's the best bang for your buck if you do it right, and uh, it, it just makes sense to me today, right? Like I I'd rather if I were starting out today. I would I wouldn't even go the self-taught route simply because I it, it's it takes more time and and it's harder to get, figure out what you need to know right if someone can give me you know a really intensive like I think of an immersion program and just get me working as soon as possible that's great because then I can start I can that's the beginning of my education but I can get paid while I'm getting my education the rest of the way and so I think that that is 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 definitely the, the promise of boot camp now in reality does this happen right so in reality what we're, we're faced with is a landmine of there's some crappy boot camps of course right mm-hmm. it's hard to judge the level of some of the boot camps and it's 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 sort of in between right college you go to college they tell you what to do right like it, it's completely tell you what to do right uh, boot camp is they're, they're giving you but they're giving you the instruction but it's sort of really very much up to you <laughs> right i mean you, you've got this, this time and, and you you can decide how you're going to use that time like are you really going to hunker down and, and, and learn what you, what you uh, need to learn and then you know for for self-instruction it's if if you need some kind of structure, self instruction. I mean, I know a lot of developers that have been self instructing for four or five years, and they haven't even you know cr- created a resume or put out apply for any jobs. So so that's it can be an, it can be an issue. But what I, what I'd say with bootcamp is this: is first of all, don't okay. It's it's a it's a very cheap alternative, right? So the the advantage of bootcamp is like I said, it's it's short learning curve, getting you a job very quickly, and the investment is relatively small. So don't cheap out, right? Go and if you're going to do a boot camp, don't price shop the boot camps. Go and pick a, a quality boot camp where people have graduated and gotten they have a high placement rate, and then go and call their references and check and see. Okay, so, so that'd be my first one, piece of advice. Then the second thing I would say is that here's the thing: as long as it's a decent boot camp, if think of it this way, okay. If you're the top person in the class, let's say it's a three-month program in that boot camp, if you're the top person, do you think you'll get a job, right? Probably, and you'll probably get a good one, right? I mean, any boot camp, a boot camp would be really, really crappy if the best person in the boot camp didn't get a job. <laughs> they, yeah, they would I mean, have to be... their, their homepage would look so sad, right? I mean, <laughs> right. their homepage would be, look at Jim, you know, he's on the street. <laughs> exactly, right? So you got to assume, so I would assume, I would assume that the top 10% of people in a particular class 
are going to almost like have like a 90% chance of getting a job. If you, if you've filtered okay, right? I mean, I think and that's a pretty conservative conservative estimate, but if I'm going to a boot camp, this is my objective. I am going to be the number one person. I'm going to work harder than anyone else. I'm going to apply myself more than anyone else. If it's within my ability, I am going to and especially it's an intensive program, right? You're doing this for 3 months, like a full-time job or more, you know, 10-12 hours a day freaking bring it all go all in on this and and be because and, and this is why i'm saying this is because i feel like if you if you take some basic steps right if you filter and make sure that you've got at least a semi-quality boot camp right and you are aiming at being in the top top one but let's say top five or top ten percent of the of the boot camp realistically because there might be some genius you know you, you might have uh, what's his name doogie hauser in there and he might he might <laughs> right. just you know whoop the pants off you no matter what you do but if you're aiming for the number one slot you're almost guaranteed success and i mean this is so much the, the truth in in life in general right but but this is how i would hack the boot camp right like in my mind i'm thinking there's no way you fail if you take this approach what 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 where you fail is when you take the half-ass approach, when you're like this, when you're like, oh, gee, gee, Bob, I, I'd like to get a software developer job because those guys make a lot of a lot of freaking money. Uh, my, my, my friend Joe has a software developer job. So, hmm, what should I do? Uh, should I learn on my own, like do some courses online? Nah. Uh, college, I don't want to really spend four years. Oh, there's a boot camp for eight weeks. I'm going to sign up for this boot camp, and they said they'll get me ready and get me a job. If that's your attitude and you go in and you think that somehow magically you're going to go into this program and then eight weeks later you're going to get a six-figure developer job, no, sorry, it's not going to happen. But if you're like, man, I really want to become a developer and I'm willing to do what it takes and I'm, I'm learning on my own as much as I can in preparation for this boot camp, I'm going to sign up for this thing and I'm going to put my all in it. I'm going to stay after. I'm going to tutor other people in the class. I'm going to get as much help as I can and see if I can help the instructor. Right? I'm going to really devote my life to this and try to be the top person in this class. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how you could possibly fail if you have the second attitude. But the first one, you know, it, it is is guaranteed failure almost. I, yeah, I agree with most of that. I, I was having this conversation with someone at work as well, and I have a couple additional heuristics, but I, I you know, I don't know because I think it's still a little bit early. But one of them is finding a place that has teachers, mm. the instructors that work or have worked at jobs you would want. Oh, that's a good point. So if you, you know, so here we're in the San Francisco Silicon Valley, you know, if you want to work at Uber, find a boot camp that has, you know, instructors that came from Uber. A couple reasons. One is because they'll help you with what you need to be able to do to get a job there. And the second one is because, you know, they have a network or either are still there and that can definitely help with placement of like, like we were already talking about the top people. The yeah. best people are going to get the referrals, and they're going to refer people because that helps them. It, it's a it's a self fulfilling thing. Like if they refer the best people, it increases the their you know instructor aptitude. It increases the college, like everything at the boot camp. Everything gets better. So that's one. And the second one is is sort of similar, which is do a boot camp if possible in an area you would like to have the job for for basically the same reasons. So if you want to work in the Silicon Valley, my advice would be to find a boot camp in Silicon Valley because you're going to have peers graduating and instructors that have connections in that area. If you do one and I don't know where all the, you know, large boot camps are, but if you do one in Florida hoping to get a job in California, it can happen. 
but it you know you're just not helping your odds. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's really good points. Yeah. Yeah. The other, I mean, I so you know, again, like my, I have a like huge like uh, uh, bias in this because you know my grandfather's a math professor, his father's a math professor, my dad's was a was an engineer, and so so uh, um, like a ton of academic sort of people in my family. And so I'm always in the mindset, you know, go to college. But but uh, but the the thing that that I I totally uh, uh, believe is that college gives you the 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 lower bar. In other words, you can get a degree and be like, let's say, incompetent, and you have that diploma. So like, it will take the worst people and bring them up. But college mm. won't necessarily take the best people and and give them the best possible experience, right? So, um, you know, I think it's sort of a toss-up. I mean, I think if you already went to college for biology, let's say, it's probably not a good idea to go back through another four years to get a CS degree. That's that's something I agree with. Um, but either way, yeah, I think the goal should be to be the best. And this is true even if you want to be any career. Like, like uh, I feel like anything I say, I will disparage that career. So, so I'm not going to pick anything out. But no matter what you want to be, is 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 uh, the goal is to yeah go into it, looking look at the best people in that career, and and you should want to be uh, uh, to have the same sort of career experiences as those people, um, and, and that that should be kind of your target. Like if you want to be a, a basketball player, you know, people who want I actually went to basketball camp uh, when I was in high school. I was terrible at basketball. Um, but I went to basketball camp and uh, there were people who said, you know, I want to be like Shaq or I want to be like Anthony Hardaway, who was you know, popular at the time. Um, and, and, and they had sort of role models and they had kind of targets and, and, and they, they had sort of respect for that. And I feel like it's the same kind of thing where know what it means to be the best person at whether it's your, your university or your boot camp class or what have you, and then strive to sort of be better than that person, right? Exactly. Yeah, you're you're dead on. It's funny. I, I was talking with a friend of mine, and he was, he was talking about his his kid being in in little league, and how the kid was being benched all the time, and he wasn't, you know. And I, and I I told him I said there's a real simple solution to this rather than complain to the coach. So how how many hours a day do, do the other kids practice? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, uh, well, they they just go to their practice, and I think some of their star players, you know, they'll they'll do like an extra hour of practice every day. And I was like, tell your son if he really wants to never be benched again, put in four hours of practice a day, three hours of practice, you know, whatever it is, whatever they're doing, do yep. twice it. Yep. Guaranteed in 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 six months and or you know one season, guaranteed you'll be starting. You you'll be you'll be so much better. Like just do whatever the best person's doing and double it, or or you know do do better than whatever the best person's doing. Look at their training and 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 do more of it. And it's I mean it's it's when I say it, it sounds so damn simple, but. But it's 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 one of those things that you 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 know you you get frustrated and you're like ah oh, I don't understand like I can't I can never be like that and, but the answer is really you know a lot <laughs> it's it's putting on the overalls that's it yeah and I think one of the great sort of tragedies is you know I grew up in a in a in a in a part of 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 my city where where a lot of people played basketball and not a lot of people went into really engineering and and. Uh, I found myself being really bad at bat. I played basketball for years. I was just terrible at it the whole time. And and in hindsight, 
I never really practiced. Like even I went to this camp, I wasn't really actively participating and uh, it just wasn't really my thing. It wasn't really what I did for, for fun. Um, but then, um, you know, the things that I did do for fun, like I did all sorts of like coding things. I did, was it to Linux, like kernel hacking and things like that and, and emulators and um, these things, I ended up spending just an extraordinary amount of time on them. And uh, the reality is, you know, there's there's people who are spending an unbelievable amount of time practicing, let's say, basketball. Um, and, and there really aren't that many people who are spending that amount of time, um, you know, becoming the best JavaScript developer or something like that. I mean, obviously there are people, but it's just not the same, let's say, ratio of people who are dedicating, let's say, 100 hours a week to JavaScript versus the number of jobs. That ratio right. is totally different than the number of people who are dedicating 100 hours a week to, to football versus the number of football jobs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've got – it's an arbitrage situation, right? You've got a huge advantage. Like, it, the bar is actually pretty low, right? As far right. as – like, if you wanted to become the best in the world at, at JavaScript – it's it's conceivable if you want to be the best in the world at basketball uh, good luck i mean you know <laughs> right you, as much as you practice but you could do it at javascript honestly you could right you know uh, that's uh, the the bar the bar is low there you you just have to be willing to 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 do the work and being so and mean to, to javascript programmers <laughs> poor javascript yeah actually somebody told me i said uh um i was i was talking to somebody at work and uh um, they said, oh, you know, you have a podcast, I'll follow you on Twitter. And so they followed me. So I looked up their profile and they have uh, something like 10,000 followers. And I said, how did you get so many followers on Twitter? And he said, dude, I'm a JavaScript developer. It's like, all you have to do is be a JavaScript developer. You get 20 times as many followers on Twitter. So <laughs> we give them a lot of hate, but they're also probably the biggest community. It's, a, it's absolutely astounding. Yeah, it's funny. I did a one of my more popular blog posts like for for a while. I got I did this blog post on why JavaScript is is dead or, or doomed. JavaScript is doomed, and this was like you know four or five years ago, mm -hmm. and it went front page on Hacker News, and that was like the worst thing. Po like I was crawling under my desk crying because. <laughs> The nasty comments I got, oh my gosh, it was just, and a stream and streams of them, like, for days. It was like, <laughs> I hope you die. Oh I, I will find your children and murder them. Oh, like, it was well, just, if you want to hear worse comments, write such an article about function, any functional programming Oh language. my gosh, yeah, our Lisp show Lisp was is dead. Haskell is dead. Just pick any of them. <laughs> yeah, Closure. We, we actually, theme. you know, I, I, uh, I learned Lisp. I don't know if it was my it was my second language, but they, the anyone who took intro to AI had to learn Lisp, and so I was, uh, you know, I was I was a Lisp sort of sympathizer. I didn't know that much about it, but I but I took the course and and I liked it. And uh, uh, when Patrick and I did this show on Lisp, we got just unbelievable hate mail. People were just like, "Oh, <laughs> you don't understand. It's really like this is you know you have to use this other expression." And they've moved on for and it was just unbelievable. It just never ended. It's yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny how you know we, sometimes we get so religious about technology and, and stuff, and it's it, ultimately it's like results. At the end of the day, like the, the the academic like exercises are great, but but ultimately like what what is it what is it you're actually accomplishing and doing? And that's uh, it's, it's easy to get you know get distracted and forget that that's the the whole point. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. The other part of it is 
you know, uh, as you uh, also is, is to keep a good network of people, right? Like, for example, mm-hmm. if you start to become the best JavaScript person in the world, then then uh, you're going to let's say you seek out some people who you think are great at JavaScript and then you get so good uh, or, you know, so much about the language that these people aren't really, you know, reading their posts, let's say, isn't informing you. Like we did a, a post on cryptocurrency. Uh, we're going to release a show on cryptocurrency that will be out by the time you see this show, hear this show. And, uh, you know, let's say you're going to get to the point if you're into cryptocurrency where that show is going to be boring to you, right? Right. And when that happens, you got to find the person who can sort of inspire you, the person who knows way more about cryptocurrency than Patrick and I. And eventually you'll know more than that person. You got to, you have to constantly be seeking out um, that, that advancement. And as you do that, you'll notice the community, even if it's a global community, gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and it also gets more intimate. And, yep. and you'll start to build those relationships that ultimately will, will be bridges to new opportunities. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and if you're, I mean, if you're in that level of that that inner circle, I mean, I mean, you'll never be looking for a job. You'll you there's because <laughs> there's so few, right? And and everyone, it's it's that weird thing where it takes another expert to recognize an expert. Like someone, like to to the novice, someone who's like at the eighty percentile and someone who's at the ninety nine percentile look the same. Right. But to the to the person who's like up in the ninety percentile of of something, they know they they're like yeah okay this guy is like one percent better that like you know like think think uh, super marathon runners right that that understand the difference between like a couple of seconds in a, in a marathon time like it's 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 a huge deal right so I think that's that's definitely definitely the case and once you become become part of that inner circle it, it becomes extremely yeah. valuable. So the very the anecdote I'll share about that is. At work, we do C++ programming, so we often ask candidates, you know, what is their experience with C++? Uh, and we have this joke that, you know, on a sc- and we ask each other, like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate yourself as far as, like, C++ experience? And a lot of people, <laughs> this is, and it's not meant to be a trick question, but it's no. very revealing. Yeah. yeah. Because anyone who's, like, out of college and rates themselves above a 5 is almost guaranteed to be sort of never done much programming you know when you when you start talking to them and you ask it's very clear they've not done much programming um, yeah yeah right. and so then so we all you know kind of compare our scores and most people and a lot of people i think are very knowledgeable in c will rate themselves like five six and they've been doing c programming five six seven years um and we were sort of talking like we don't think anyone would be a 10 you know maybe herb sutter uh would be like a nine <laughs> right you know, people who, you know, write the standard template library are probably like an eight. People who go to CppCon are like a seven. People have been doing it like 10 to 15 years, like a six, right? Like the scale is really strict, but it's almost universal across everybody at work. It's very consistent. Right. And it's very clear, as you're pointing out, people who don't fit in, and it's not like a mean thing, but it just instantly reveals how long someone's been doing something. No, you just have to ask who's your favorite author, and if it's not um, uh, Scott Myers, then you know, then you <laughs> yeah. can't be more than a five. Yeah. It's funny. I, I was I was real big into the C. Actually, it's it's funny. I when I was a big C plus plus developer when when I started out, and I thought I was hot shot. I thought I was good until I went to Top Coder. And it's kind of an oh, old yeah. thing. but man, I went into there and 
and I went into the single room. I went into the, the SRMs, those single room matches. Yep. And I was like, I can't even solve the easy problem, right? So I had to like learn STL and I had to read, you know, and so then I'm, you know, my head is in, I read effective C++, you know, probably like 10 times more effective C++, effective STL. I'm learning all the, you know, all of the STL inside and out, the boost library, right? Like all this stuff. Right, that I had no idea. I'd been doing C++ development for like three, four years. No idea about any of this stuff. I was just getting by, and I thought I was good, right? And mm-hmm. then, and then after that experience, man, could I ace? A, <laughs> I, I could ace a C++ interview like like nobody's business uh, at, at that point. And and I would give C++ interviews, and I had this like eight page C++, and it would start off with easy questions, and it'd go to medium, and it'd go to hard, and it'd go to very hard, and and I swear people would, would apply for jobs. I was working at HP at the time, and I was, I was you know, I was the worst, you would never want to interview me at HP. I was a, I was a dick, basically. Oh. <laughs> like, just like, just because I was so excited about, you know, I mean, I you know, I was, you know, yes, we know this Myers type. was my, my idol, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's funny how things have changed, but but I would have this, you know, like AP, and and people would come in and they'd profess to be these C plus gurus, and they wouldn't make it past page one. And so, you know, there was I, I remember this one guy. I still remember his name, Hi Biao, and he he like he he got it all. And I was just like I I was trying to explain to my hiring manager. I was like, Look, you don't need to do this. We're done. You just hire this guy. Like I I don't even care if he's the most socially retarded person I've you've ever seen in your life. You have to hire this guy. Like you don't understand, and like he just he couldn't grasp how how important and phenomenal it is. But it, it's funny. Like I mean, it, it took it it it's it's so true. Like you you know it when you, when you see it. Like the, the kind the things that people say, the language that they use, and and it's that inner circle that yeah, there, uh, that you can recognize within each other. You know. Yeah. There's this idea of uh, I think it's. I can't remember the four levels, but I'll try to kind of piece it together. But there's, you know, unconscious ignorance where you don't really know what you don't know. And then you, what you really want, the hardest step is that step from unconscious to conscious ignorance. As you said, like in the case of Top Coder, it's, it's, it's that going on Top Coder, realizing, whoa, there's this whole world. Because once you get to that step, that's where you can start the stepping stones. That's where you can kind of get that sort of gradient that takes you to you know conscious knowledge and then eventually to unconscious knowledge which is kind of circling all the way back to where you don't even really have to think about it it's just it's just in your unconscious and it just happens naturally um, but getting back to the connections thing you know, I um, in uh, 2004 I was the 30th person on top coder so I was ranked number oh. 30. And and uh, yeah, I went Jason to, does not relate to your story about struggling through this. Single, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Uh, I went. Awesome. I went That's on. Awesome. Uh, I went on Top Coder a couple of uh, years ago, or about about 18 months ago, and I I was just terrible. And 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 the reality is, you know, it's been you know what I guess almost a decade. It's been over a decade since yeah. I was sort of at my sort of peak on Top Coder, and and I moved on to sort of other skills. Um, um, you know, I moved on to sort of, you know, building things that, that, that entertain me and sort of kind of putting pieces together and less, you know, I still do I actually moved on to a lot more kind of statistics and math and away from like the algorithms and data structures. Um, and it just, you know, the bike got rusty. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but the thing I didn't lose was, again, the connections, like a lot of the top top coder people. I, I know them pretty well. I stay in contact with them. We go out every now and then. And uh, 
and and that's the thing that's that's kind of permanent like it's it's still super important to get to get the skills but you know along the way take the free almost free opportunity to also connect with the people um because you know ultimately that's the thing that that uh, that either it never goes away or it's very easy to bring it back like it's very easy to send an email and say hey a long time no see it's it's much harder to get back into the uh, you know, red target rank at top coder. Trust me, it's almost impossible. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. Yeah, I, I don't talk to many people that have actually actually done top coder. That you're a number thirty. That's that's pretty impressive. That like people that haven't done this don't realize how amazing of an a, a achievement that is. It's, it's and that tough. was through. By the way, that was through just again just unbelievable effort. Like basically, mm. we used to. I used to practice. I don't. I think it was something like forty or fifty hours a week, um, yeah. and that and and we did that. So so my university has this has this uh, programming competition kind of or programming uh, team kind of uh, a thing at the university, and if you join, you you have to commit to practicing for about forty or fifty hours a week, and uh, it's just it's just a a ton of effort, um, but uh, and it's the kind of thing where if you don't. Uh, it's just like being, you know, uh, trying to trying to be an expert in anything. If you, uh, at some level, it requires like extraordinary maintenance. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, with, with the right amount of effort, um, especially in a field like this, like there, uh, anybody can can make like enormous progress. I There's think that's a- also a, oh, yeah, I think that's also a sign of maturity is choosing that you don't have to be the best. Right. At everything, right? So saying like. You know, we're joking about the C++ skill, but I don't think it, it's perfectly fine for people to be a five or six, like, and and be pre- paid a lot of money to write C++ code. It's okay. You don't have to be eight, nine, you know. And I think that's a sign of maturity is realizing, getting past that, and realizing like, it, some things just may not be worth the effort at that time. Well, and you know, oh, before I forget, uh, a real good book I want to recommend is called Peak. It's a really good book on deliberate practice, and it talks about the idea that you're that essentially like all of this all of the forget what malcolm gladwell said he he's he's not accurate but but the the guy that wrote peak is actually the guy that came up with the 10,000 hour uh, concept that oh, Mac, malcolm gladwell borrowed and misused unfortunately I, i'm not a big Mac, Mal, malcolm uh, malcolm <laughs> right. gladwell we couldn't tell but because i believe that it, it's, it's skill because i believe it is practice and and that book peak like is really it really talks about and he has the studies to prove it and shows why that it is more than anything else, not, not intelligence, not IQ, not anything else, not natural ability or talent. It's practice that that makes someone at the higher level, at the highest levels, right? Um, yeah. But, the other um, thing, uh, not to like uh, jump around too much, but but uh, uh, you know, getting back to sort of the financial thing, um, you know, I've met a lot of people in my career who I would consider retired. Um, mm-hmm. Some people because of their family. Uh, some people because of circumstances, um, and some people because they they uh, are just are total rock stars. And the thing I notice about about most of them is they're they're still working, and right. you know working might be a little might might change, but you know you don't really see people you know this sort of stereotypical like I'm gonna win the lottery or or maybe that's a bad example, but I'm gonna yeah. you know uh, uh, you know do some kind of uh, financial situation and then i'm going to go to hawaii and do nothing and the reality is 
you know, there might be some people out there who they set their whole vision and all their effort and everything is just financial. But the majority of people I noticed who put themselves in what I would call the retirement category, which means that they're just kind of there for fun. Those are the people who sort of had that incredible passion and, and there's massive inertia there. Like the kind of people I've met who can just, you know, leave their job at any time are the same people who are there just because they love it. Like it's, it's very hard to do something you love and get nothing out of it for years. Um, um, uh, sorry, it's very hard to do something you don't love and get nothing out of it for years and, and keep that going. Right. But if oh, it's yeah. something you love uh, and you have sort of, you know, a, a vision for where you want to be that doesn't really depend on anybody else, then you can continue to make progress and you can sort of build this model in your mind and 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 continue to get better and better. And and uh, that's where sort of there's really no limits because you're kind of you're competing with yourself. And uh, those are the people I notice who tend to do kind of really well. Oh, yeah. It's funny that you should say that, the Hawaii thing, especially because that's, I mean, that was, so from a young age, one of my goals in life was I wanted to retire young, right? I, and I started doing real estate investment when I was 19. You know, I, I, don't, I, won't, I don't want to pretend like I had a plan then. I just didn't want to pay rent. But, but later <laughs> I did develop a plan. And I, I spent a lot, I mean, I, I, I slept on mattresses on the floor. Like, I mean, I, I put a lot of effort into this goal. Like, this was my dream. This, I wanted to retire young in life so that I could do whatever I wanted. So, you know, in, in my mind, I was like, ah, I just play video games all day. This will be awesome, right? I'm going <laughs> to go live on the beach, okay? Like, all this stuff. Like, I want my time. And so about uh, about four, I guess it's been four, five, four years, five years ago about, Oh, no, four years ago. Four years ago, I hit it. I did it. And, and, and you know, coming up to it, I started to have, like, when I was, like, when I could see the goal, the end goal in sight, I was like, I'm going to be able to quit my job, and I'm going to have passive income for the rest of my life, you know, and I wanted to have, like, 10K a month of passive income, so it's not, like, just living in a hut somewhere, right? All so right. it's, like, you know, a decent lifestyle. And so I, I, I was coming close to that, and I started to have these, like, these these this kind of panic these panic it's like well what am i gonna do right and and my, my plan was and i did it i went i i, I quit my job i went to maui okay oh, and my you plan was, did it i did and i and and i i did that for about two months and i when i came back i was like no i can't I, like i was strongly concerned just staying there forever you know and i was like no i can't i can't do this i like I don't need to work, right? So my definition of retired is, is 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 not like sitting on the porch or you know just surfing all day. It's like you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. But but you it doesn't mean you don't choose to. And and that's what I came you know I came back with my renewed mission and I kind of really had to I had to really do some really deep thinking on. I mean, if you ever get to that point in life, most people are so busy living life that they never really think about life. And when you get to that point, and here's a good exercise, if you ever want to like just think about, you know, and this is, it takes some meditation on this, but imagine if you woke up with five hundred million dollars in the bank tomorrow, what would you do? 
and and you know spend some time meditating on the question because you know, most of the answers that you first come up with are things that actually are things that would make you money <laughs> and then you, you <laughs> I, I use a big number like that like 500 million because it doesn't make sense to build a business it doesn't make you, know, you go through a whole list like if you go through the exercise you'll, you'll start to like rule stuff out because we, as you go to the end of the line you'll say oh wow yeah that would be to make money but i don't need any money so uh, the, you know it's kind of a scary process but i had to go really do some deep thinking and, and that's where i'm at you know with, with simple programmer now is you know yes it's a we i make money yes i i i'm you know still make profit from the company of course but there's a there's a bigger purpose and just in my life in general that that i found which is is not about those those goals again it's 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 about becoming the the best version of myself about pushing my limits about reaching my my full potential and it's something that i'll never i'll never reach the end of right so i don't have this problem anymore uh, but but uh but but now it's like how can i best utilize the time that I, that i have to to really, you know, maximize whatever potential that I could I could achieve during during this time, not for an end goal, not so that I can make so much money, not so that I could do, you know, play video games all day, right? I have all those options, uh, but but it, it's it has a, a a different purpose, and so I mean, it's really hard to describe, but it, it's funny like that you said that about going to Hawaii because that was exactly my my <laughs> thinking and my scenario, and you know, and, and and people all the time when I tell them on my and I tell a story on my YouTube channel, they're like, oh, you're crazy. If I win the lottery, I would, t-, you know, I'm like, no, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is to like just to come into an infusion of cash. It, it, it would it would ruin your life. It would ruin your character. It would ru- just ruin everything. Because everything you're dreaming for, everything you're aiming for, would suddenly you'd have it, and then you'd lose purpose. And yeah, when you exactly. lose purpose, you know, everything, it's, it's horrible. So it, it, it's, it's just is, interesting. It, yeah, this yeah. is a good thought exercise for people who, who, who want to understand this, is get, a, get your favorite video game, right? And then go online and find the way to sort of cheat in that game like let's say let's take grand theft yeah. auto let's say you're a huge grand theft auto fan. now now they have the version online which i don't know much about but i assume you can't really cheat on the internet but but let's take grand theft auto 3 um let's say you're, that's your favorite game you spent all the time unlocking the t-shirts and getting all the cars and stuff now go in that game start over and 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 use the cheat code which gives you like infinite money and the ability to fly Right, like Superman, right? right? And see how long you'll play that game. I guarantee you it won't be more than a week, right? Like it's it's gonna be amazing. You can fly, you could drop helicopters from the sky or something, but then after a week, it's done. It actually kind of killed the sort of narrative and the novelty and, and the experience of that game, right? And 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 I, I would imagine winning the lottery is kind of like doing that to your life, right? Like uh, it, it sort of it, it it doesn't really kind of it all of a sudden just throws all of your kind of goals and your values kind of out of whack. Exactly. Yep. I I totally agree. That's a great comparison. That is it's so true, right? You know, I, it's funny. I'm playing like a breath. I'm playing the Zelda Breath oh, of the yeah. Wild game. And I'm like, I am not looking on the internet for anything. There's some stuff I'm like, I don't understand how these recipes work and stuff. And and I'm like, no, no. Because as soon as I look up anything, it will ruin the entire game for me. I just want to figure it all out and discover it myself. Yeah, but- I'm exactly the same boat. I played uh, Final Fantasy VII, which is one of the considered one of the best video games of all time. And I played yep. it you know, a very long time ago. Um, and I, I'd beaten... I'd completed Final Fantasy, I think, four and six and two. I don't remember. This is all a long time ago. 
But I was playing through seven and I, I wasn't even stuck. I was just, um, there was one part where it was a little bit open-ended. You can kind of go to different towns. It wasn't exactly clear what to do next. And instead of kind of exploring, I thought, oh, let me go on the internet and just see. And once I went on the internet, I realized, oh, I, I missed this part back here and I oh, yeah, can never yeah. go back and get it. And it's done. And it actually just killed the whole game. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, like I realized, like I I'd kind of, you stare into the mirror and the mirror stares back at you or whatever. It, it was just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it, it literally killed the game for me and I haven't been able to, I haven't played it since. Um, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, um, it's actually kind of a little dangerous to do that. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. It's funny. I mean, I that's my philosophy in life. And again, a lot of people doubt doubt it on, on YouTube, but all the time I get I get people because there's all you know. I my my YouTube channel is kind of a fitness YouTube channel as well, right? Because I do a lot of a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. and so all the time I get accused of being on steroids. And I'm like, I can't like. There's nothing I can like. I mean, tests or whatever. I can't prove that I'm not on steroids. But what I could tell you this is that if you listen to any of my videos in my life philosophy, you would know that I would never take a shortcut because I'm not about the end result. I'm about who I become, the process, right? And it's and it's like it's so hard to communicate this point to to people that are you know as much as I argue this point, or like so many people are still like, no, I would still want to win the lottery. It would still be awesome. I would give the money to my family. And like, no, you like anything that you achieve that, that you haven't earned, right? It's like that I, I get, I'll get flack for this, but I'll say it anyway. Cause I, I is, I, you know, I, I do, I run like 40 miles a week and I, I ran a marathon like wow. a, a couple weeks ago. And there's people that will sign up for the marathon and they'll walk. And I mean, if you're 90, that's fine. But if you're like a capable human being <laughs> and you're just walking a marathon in order to get a medal, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't have a problem. With, like, like that, that's fine. Like, I, I'm not saying it because like I'm judging you as a, as a person. I'm just saying you are jipping yourself. Uh, like, like how, how much when you put that medal, like, when I put the medal, I've got a, a, a rack. You guys can't see it here. But I've got my medals for my half marathons and my marathons and my marathon medal to me. Like when I look at that, means something, right? I can look at that and I'm like, man, that like that was four and a half hours. It wasn't just four and a half hours. It was like weeks, and, you know, months worth of work and effort and blood and sweat and tears, right? And and if you are like this overweight person who signs up for a marathon and walks it and didn't do any training and you get the medal and you put that on your wall, what is it? It's just to show other people. It doesn't mean anything to you. Like you, you know what I mean? Like, and that's my whole. That's the whole thing. It's like it's so hard to communicate that concept to people. It's the same people that say I want to win the lottery or I just want the six-figure job. I don't care if I actually know the programming. You know, I just want someone. To, I just want to get lucky and get the job. And it's like it's all those things. It's like if you haven't earned it. Yeah, it might be fun to fly around in the video game, like you said, but it's going to be so meaningless and empty to you that uh, that you 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 start to think that all of life is like that, and you 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 forget that that you know th that the meaningful things in life are the things that you actually you know it's that it's that money you put together to that you earn mowing lawns to to buy that bicycle. That's what what makes it all everything in life valuable, and it's so easy to get disconnected from that. I mean, we've I've been guilty of it. We, we've all been guilty of it, but. It's it's so hard to communicate across that chasm. I find. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's, so my, it's, oh, go ahead, Patrick. No, I was going to say so. So I'm not much of a quote person, but my quote is Warren Buffett saying that his goal was not to leave his kids enough money to do nothing, but just yeah. enough to do anything. Oh, I got it backwards. I think the goal is to leave your kids enough money to do anything, but not so much that they can do nothing. 
Yeah, exactly. it's sort of the same philosophy. Yeah, like your point is to be able to do enough that you open doors, not so much that you can just sit around and do nothing. That's really boring. The analogy was if you were on um, the Notch who invented Minecraft, right. if you followed his Twitter feed right around the time like Microsoft bought out Minecraft. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I don't know how many people did this, and and, and I don't know. Yeah, him I was following so. him even before that, and yeah, I won't spoil your story, but yeah, I heard it. No, it's well. okay, but yeah, I feel like a little bit this happened to him. Like he had other games that he was in the process. Now he suddenly, I mean, he already didn't need to work, but he still was. But to get sort of that major payout, he bought a really big house. He could pretty much do anything he wanted, and I, I mean, I I didn't kind of keep following him, but he basically had a little bit of like a meltdown. Like he kind yep. of lost lost direction. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was posting, you know, I mean, you can, you guys can look, you folks can look it up, but basically things like, you know, I have nothing in my life, my, 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 the people who worked at my company feel like I sold them out, um, I have no friends, stuff like that, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, you know. Oh, yeah, and, and people, and, and, the, and then the nasty thing about it, being in that situation is, not only did he honestly feel that way, people doubted his sincerity, and then they were upset at him because he was expressing these these feelings right. and it's saying you have no thing. right to have yes. these feelings because if I were in your situation I would that's be right. happy and, right. and that that is just I mean that's going to make him feel even worse but I mean it's it's the human condition and and so like if you don't figure out how to deal with this <laughs> right like this is one of those things like I, you know, I tell people all the time like well you know but like I had to face this like, like you said looking into the abyss and the abyss stared back at me yeah that I had to face this, and I'm, I'm telling you, and, and he, he definitely had to face this, but like, you got to think about this ahead of time and really figure out your life, because if your life is just about hitting some number or hitting some goals, man, like, you're setting yourself up for such a, I mean, how many, how many rock stars, how many, like, people that come into fame, right, or, or, or end up making a lot of money or, or becoming super famous people, how many of them end up committing suicide or, or getting into just, like, their whole life becomes drugs because they're, you know, they're, they're hugely depressed, like, this is not just because they're defective people that don't know how to handle fame or money. It's it's because it's because this is what most people will be like if they haven't actually thought about this and haven't really figured out how to live a purposeful life that that is not just driven based on 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 some goal, right? You know, to, to tie it back into the systems versus goals from the beginning. But yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, yeah, we could obviously we could talk about this forever. I think it's fascinating. Hopefully, maybe we'll have you back later on, like sometime in the future. Um, oh, sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. So, if uh, is there anything? Actually, I think you you kind of alluded to it in the beginning. There's a book that you have coming out uh, pretty soon, right? Yeah. Let me. Uh... Let me I, allow me to sh- plug my book. <laughs> yeah. So that was your opening. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, so I, I do. I have a book. It should be out, assuming that you know July nineteenth is the launch date. Assuming that this goes out uh, around the same time, mm-hmm. and it is called the Complete Software Developer's Career Guide, and it is a massive book. We're talking like right now the estimated page count is eight hundred pages. Wow. Wow. And. It is everything I know about software development from my 15-year career and everything that I have gathered from. I mean, I know, you know, I've hung out with a lot of industry experts. I won't, I won't do a bunch of name dropping here, but, but obviously, you know, with my 
with simple programming on YouTube and everything. I, I coach p- people and, and I, I've got gathered a lot of career advice and wisdom over, over this time. And I've basically put it into what I'm calling the tone. Like my, my goal in creating this book was to make the book that every software developer should have on their bookshelf, like no question about it. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of, a lot of time working on this. It basically, the, to give you a quick overview, the, it goes from, it has everything from the very, it's broken into five sections. The first section is how to get started. If you don't know anything about software development, what language to learn, you know, should, should you go to college, boot camp, self-taught, how to learn a language. The second section is how to get a job, whether it be your first job or your experience, and then how to negotiate your salary, how to like choose between contract or permanent employment, like all these kind of stuff that no one really talks about that, that is really important, uh, and how to do a resume, all, all kinds of stuff uh, related to that. And then the third section is all the stuff you need to know as a software developer. I gathered like all of the like CVS and uh, you know s- source control and uh, continuous integration and you know what is web development versus backend development versus uh, mobile like all of that stuff and then the fourth section is how to function work as a software developer so this is like stuff like uh, how do you deal with your boss how do you deal with your coworkers uh, how do you deal with discrimination or prejudice in in the workspace how, how do you dress for work right like this is all all targeted towards software developers and then the fifth section is how to advance your career so you've, you've got all the other stuff down well, what if you wanted to go and start speaking at conferences what if you wanted to start a podcast what if you wanted to you know re- get, go go beyond and, and and you know become a freelancer and and bill a few hundred dollars an hour like how would you do this and so that the, the book is that's why it's massive is because it tries to cover pretty much all of that uh, at, at a pretty pretty in-depth level and so yeah it's it's going to be launching July 19th, and I will be doing the Kindle version of it for 99 cents for that day. Oh, only. wow. Normally, normally it'll be nine, nine, or normally it'll be $9.99. I'm not sure what I'm going to price the print version. Just because it's such a thick book, I have, I've got to get a quote. I'm, I'm working on getting it typeset right now. So okay. I'm guessing it, it'll be heavily discounted on launch day as well. But uh, but yeah, so it's, it's you know, the goal for this launch, by the way, too, is to be the number one best-selling book on Amazon on that day, like b- across oh, all nice. categories. So what's the title? One more time. The complete software developer's career guide, and okay, and so cool. actually, if if uh, if you want to check it out, if you just go to simpleprogrammer.com forward slash career guide, that will be it'll be the book landing page pre-launch. And then cool. on the launch, it'll have like bonuses. I think I've, we've got a, a package that we're putting together, like a hundred and fifty dollar bonus package of of, of course material as well. That will all, all for ninety nine cents. So cool, and we'll have uh, the I'm link on the, on the show notes as well for people. Awesome, awesome. Cool. Well, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, looking forward to checking out that book. Um, I'll definitely pick it up for 99 cents. I, I buy almost every humble bundle where you, you spend a dollar and you get three games. And, oh, yeah. Uh, That's like your limit. A dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you could. Uh, yeah, anyways. But uh, but even even if, if like no matter what, I will spend a dollar. I won't even look at the games. if they When they send me the email for the new bundle, I spend the dollar. And uh, sometimes I spend more if the other games look good. But, uh, um, you know, I recently did this. Um, I spent a dollar. I got this game. It had terrible reviews. Um, and, the, and and all the reviews kind of said, you know, look, the art, the game looks beautiful, but the gameplay is kind of messed up. And and the developers released this patch saying, oh, we made all these fixes, right? And I played it, and it was amazing. 
and uh, really? uh, uh, you know they had just fixed the problems, you know, and, and they had just gotten a bad rap, right? Um, you know, the 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 book that I tell everyone to read uh, was uh, Negotiating for Dummies. I got that for a dollar, um, nice. um, and uh, just it was it was one of these kind of flash sales, and so I'll definitely definitely pick this up for a dollar and check it out. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's this has been crazy trying trying to put all this launch together uh, and and writing this book. But uh, but I, I really I really want this to be a book that every developer can put on their bookshelf because I feel like it's been lacking. Like th- this this kind of advice. You know, I, I put the book together because I felt like I I didn't want to write another book. Trust me, after writing my first book, but I just felt like I there, I have to put this out there. So. Cool. Well, thank you. And, and uh, simpleprogrammer.com is the site. We'll also have the link to uh, in the show notes and all that. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me, guys. You guys are awesome. All right, thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, take care. The intro music is AXO by Binar Pilot. Programming Throwdown is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 2.0 license. You're free to share, copy, distribute, transmit the work, to remix, adapt the work, but you must provide uh, attribution uh, to uh, Patrick and I and uh, share alike in kind.